This morning we're beginning a new series, as you can see from the screen, about change. And it is about the truth that God reveals about real spiritual change. Something that um, we need to think about constantly in all ways. God always desires us to change and to grow. And yet I would submit to you that already, I mean, you've seen that word. That word change is one of those words that brings an instant reaction to us. When we see that word, we have thoughts. There's a stream of thought that automatically happens. And quite honestly, a lot of times when people see that word change, uh, the reaction is not entirely positive. And I, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is I think we tend to gravitate towards negative things that come with change. And I think about um, just even from day to day, um, I think of growing older and how um, my body doesn't work the same way that it used to. I've heard a lot of stories about that and I'm starting to realize it. You know, I think I can do things that I really can't, or at least not nearly as well. That's one of the things. And so when you think about change and what that means, and there's all kinds of different parts of that as we continue to go through this thing called life that we tend to focus on and, and gravitate towards. Uh, the other thing is just the realization that change is constant. And I, I wonder, and as I prepared for this message and think about change and what that means sometimes, that it's no wonder sometimes that, we, that we're resistant to it or we struggle with it because it's a relentless force. You've heard that saying that the only things that are, are um, sure in this world are death and taxes. Change is sure and certain. You're not the same person you were yesterday or a month ago or a year ago. And it's like that, that, that wave on the beach that never stops. It, it's, it's constant. And so I think sometimes just that aspect of change is hard. But I would submit to you that change is good, very good, in an overwhelming amount of ways in our hearts and in our lives. Think about it for a minute. I'll just share a few things with you. Words. One, outhouse. Who's glad that they have indoor plumbing and don't have to go? And maybe for some of us it was not an experience. Yeah, but maybe you can think about on a day and think about you know Christmas Eve and stuff, needing to make those travels not really pleasant. How about horse and buggy? Any of you take one to church today? If we were blessed with an Amish person, that would be awesome. You drove a car, an enclosed car with a heater. Is that a good change? Well, I think you'd probably say that it would be. How about a cell phone or a computer? See, I could go on and on and on, and I think of, of illustrations and examples about how we, we not only um, are hoping for change and good change, it's something that we expect and that we celebrate. And one example I thought of is just a farmer putting a seed in the ground. If you were a farmer or a gardener and you put a seed in the ground, would you want it to stay the same? Absolutely not. You would want that seed to change. That's why you put the seed in the ground. So that there would be growth. 
and there would be a crop and there would be a harvest. Good and awesome. See, change is, is so incredibly wonderful in a lot of different ways. A constant part of our lives, but I, I think about what that brings. And I, I think about even as I look and I see families and, I, and I, I think of my own family and I think of kids, now grandchildren. And kids are a lot of work. But after you've had them, would you ever want them to not be a part of your life? I don't know how many people I've talked to that said, I just can't imagine my life without them. There's good reason for that. See, change is good. It's great. It's something to celebrate in so many different ways. And none the least of these. I want you to think really deeply and strongly about this one. The greatest demonstration of how positive change is is the person of Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life. Now, I don't know, sometimes people, they just think it's like spiritual osmosis, right? They always went to church. That was not my experience. And so sometimes to think about life without Jesus is kind of hard. So then I would just submit, think about who you've become and who you've grown to be over the years. And I hope that when I say that, you can recognize great spiritual change that has taken place in your heart and in your life. That you're not the same person that you were once upon a time but that you are a follower of Jesus Christ as mature that understands the benefits of Jesus Christ working in your heart and in your life. And if you're not and you haven't made that decision, man, let's have a conversation because there's nothing like it. And to know the presence of God in your life and what that means is so profound and so awesome and it's real spiritual transformation, lordship a surrendering to His will in your life and letting that take place in beautiful and wonderful ways, leading you to places you never imagined or thought about. Change. Today I want to invite you to a text that speaks about change and the real cost that comes with it. It's Luke 9. We're going to read verses 57 to 62. And just as you had a, a reaction to that word initially changed, so too I hope your heart is wide open so that you get a reaction and response to what it is that God brings to you as truth this morning. Hear the living Word of God. As we were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. The man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service for the kingdom of God. This is 
the Word of God let its truth be written in our hearts and lived in our lives. Three encounters, three conversations about following Jesus. Three things I would submit to you that it speaks about that are hard and they kind of increase. And, and no doubt, I think if you read these passages, and especially if you were without Jesus and you read them, you might think, this, that is some really tough stuff. And you're absolutely right, it is. But Jesus is saying something really significant, really powerful, really deep in these words. And, and I want to invite you to unpack it with me, all three encounters, about what it means to follow Jesus and to follow Him in a way that brings real spiritual change and the cost that comes with it. So the first encounter, verses 57 and 58. A man comes and he says, I will follow you wherever you go. Now I want you to think about that. If somebody came that uh, and said that to you, somebody maybe you were, you were praying over and, and that you really ha- had been Um, just hoping would come to know Jesus Christ or would have a change in their life spiritually, and they came up to you and they said, you know what, I have decided to follow Jesus wherever He takes me. What would your response be? I know what mine would be. Wow, awesome, great. I'm thrilled about that. I have been praying for you. I'm just so thankful that you have decided to follow Jesus. And I've done that almost on cartwheels. When somebody I've been praying for has accepted Jesus Christ in their heart or had a significant spiritual change. It is powerful and it's awesome. Is that what Jesus says? No. I think that's what the man was expecting. I'll follow you wherever you go. And so he's just waiting for Jesus to say, awesome, great, wonderful. I'm so glad you're on board. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have great times. No, he says... Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What did he mean about that? What did he mean by saying that? What was, what, was he, what was he saying to this gentleman? What is he saying to you? What is he saying to me? Well, he's speaking truth. Don't, don't, don't get Jesus wrong. He's excited. He's glad. He's thrilled. I mean, that's His purpose for for coming, for living, for dying. So that everybody would follow Him. But in this moment, He's sharing something about truth and about cost. And, And if we think about for a minute, and you look at those words and you begin to process them, he's saying that that following me, following Jesus, will cost us comfort and convenience. It's not always easy. And it will take you to places maybe that you don't necessarily want to go. It will cost you time and effort and energy. And it will cost you, and so think about that in terms of of even a place to lay your head. 
I, I mean, that's something that I can relate to. I, granted, I have a place to lay my head, but I've had to change what that is as I followed Jesus throughout the years. And he's not saying you won't have a place to sleep and maybe even a comfy pillow. But that you need to understand when you say, I will follow you wherever you go, what that really means. And the price tag that comes with it. If we're really going to follow Jesus, we're going to go places, to, to places again that that maybe are a little uncomfortable and that we don't want to go to. And that's what happens when grace and truth transforms us. And it's not easy. I want to read a, um, an illustration of that. So, and it's true for us as followers, individual followers, and it's true for us as a body. This book is called, uh, I love it, it's called Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Community Church. And think about this. He shares his story early on, and this is what he says. So this is on page 45. He says, Saddleback has experienced continuous growing pains throughout its brief history. To accommodate our continuous growth, think about this, we used 79 different facilities in the first 15 years of our history. Again, any math majors or people who are good with numbers? 79 times 15 years, how often is that? They, they moved their church for 15 years every other month. He jokes later on in the chapter and says, we know that only smart people go to Saddleback because they're the only ones who can find us. Do you think that that was comfortable for them? Of course not. Was it convenient? It takes a lot of work. Did I mention that Saddleback Valley Community Church was for a very long time the fastest growing church in the United States and had brought thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus wants us to get it about what it means to follow. It's not always about comfort and convenience. And in fact, it will cost you that if you're serious about it and you desire real spiritual change as a follower of Jesus and as a body of Christ. That's encounter number one. Encounter number two is this. He says to a man, follow me. And the man says this. Lord, first let me go bury my father. And then there's Jesus' words. Again, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, Look at those words. And, and I want you to put yourself in this person's position. If Jesus came and said to you, come and follow me, has anybody had Jesus come and ask him to do that? Maybe we've got to focus more on outreach. That's okay. Come follow me. 
And again, what is he expecting to hear when, when he gives assent to that? Even though he's got something to do first, he's probably expecting Jesus to be thrilled and, and, and just over, overjoyed at his response. And, and it's really what he asked for, right? He says, first, do you see that? More on that in a second. But he says, let me bury my father. Is that reasonable? Of course it is. He wants to be a good son. He wants to do something that is honoring of his dad and it is kind of something that we all would relate to. And then what does Jesus say? Well, you see the words, and I want to ask you, do you think those are harsh and cold and mean? Do you think that Jesus is being unreasonable and unloving? You might. And if that's what he really meant, and that what was really about what he was saying, it, you might have some place to stand on. And you know what? At some level and in some situation, maybe it does mean that. I think about people who are serving Jesus half a world away. They don't have the means because they're on a mission field. They're doing something to come back. And sometimes it means doing that. But he's speaking about following him and having it cost precious things, creating tough choices, and following him in terms of requiring a priority to him first. And so did you see that word in the verse, and in terms of the ma uh, man's response, verse 59? What does he say? Lord, first, let me. Are you familiar with the first four commandments? Are you familiar with the greatest commandment? It's about a priority, and it's about choices, tough choices. That's what Jesus is referring to. Would he, would he prohibit the man from bearing his dad? No. Do you know God? How loving, how kind, how gracious, how compassionate he is. The mercy that flows from his throne of grace each and every day to you and to me. So then hopefully you'd be able to pause and look at these words and say, what does Jesus really mean here? I mean, he's speaking about following Him and the change that it creates in our hearts and the things that we need to consider. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had about this very thing with people. And two things that, that probably I've had more conversations about when people have come in and they've been compelled, they've had this spiritual growth in their heart, new Christians that are growing and just wanting to, to follow Jesus, just wanting to follow Jesus. And they'll come in and say something like this. There's two areas that are, are pretty common. And one is this. It says, you know, I, I want to follow Jesus, and in my workplace it's not that great of an environment. And there's some toxicity, and there's people that don't behave well, and I, I just don't feel like I can thrive in that environment. But, and here there's usually a but, right? But I make really great money. you got a choice to make. And people come in and say, you know what, I, I, I just became a Christian, and um, I'm really growing, and I feel really good about what's going on, but there's a problem. See, a lot of my friends aren't Christians, and does that mean I have to give them up? 
And I, I would hope that, that in terms of a heart and who it is that you're, you're being and, and wanting to have them come to know Jesus Christ, that, that, that doesn't mean that you, you, know, you just ax everybody. But sometimes you need to make a tough call there. We always tend to think that we can influence more than we can be influenced. And that's not always the case. And we have to figure that out. Tough choices precious things, deep friendships, relationships. There's things that we have to, have to look at. And after deep prayer and really earnestly seeking to follow Jesus Christ, sometimes He calls us to make those choices and to let go of those things. What does that mean for you? See, and so that's what He's saying. And first, you can't lose sight of that. First, That's the whole idea behind lordship. You know, Jesus came to forgive us of our sins, to redeem us. And then there's this lordship thing that takes our whole life. And a surrendering of our will to His. And that's what following Him as Lord is all about. Being able to let go of different things precious things, making tough choices, and having Him be first. It's a hard thing to do. Jesus doesn't pretend that it's easy. He doesn't say, no problem. He, he knows what's in this man's heart and how hard that would be. But that doesn't stop him from telling the truth. See, those are things we need to think about when we think about following Jesus and real spiritual change. And and notice what he says at the end. But you go and do what? Proclaim the kingdom of God. You go and you be a follower. More on that piece in a minute. There's a difference there. It's no wonder that he says, let the dead bury their own dead. There's, there's life in Jesus Christ and in kingdom work. True for us as individual followers and as a body of Jesus Christ. Listen to these words once again. This is on page 65 now. He says, sadly, um, this is Rick Warren speaking, sadly there are many churches today who are completely orthodox in their beliefs but are still unfaithful to Christ because they refuse to change programs, methods, styles of worship, buildings, and even locations to reach a world for Jesus. Did you hear that? And he says, we must be willing to say with unreserved commitment to our Lord and Savior, we will do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus Christ. What's our mission statement, by the way? Winning people for Christ, equipping them to serve. See, Jesus is just speaking truth. And he wants us to understand that. Change. Kingdom change. What does that look like? Well, the third encounter is similar. Another person comes to him and says, I'll follow you. And then do you see what he says next? You saw that word already. But first... Let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Again, saying goodbye to your family, bad thing? No, not at all. It's a good thing. 
It's a wonderful thing. Jesus is speaking about priorities, and, and in this encounter, there are things that you can pull out. It, it, you'd spend a lot of time looking at it, and we're just going to look at it briefly about what he's saying, and that is following Jesus takes great commitment and a kingdom heart set. Think about that for a minute. He says, in response, again, does he say, wow, awesome, great, I assure you that's what he's feeling, that's what he has in his heart. But what is his response? What's verse 62 say? No one who puts his hand to the plow or no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. There's that kingdom of God again. And I want you to think about that. And this is where maybe farmers, again, can relate to this truth more than we. Did anybody plow a field ever? Yeah, there you go. Some people have, yeah. The overwhelming majority haven't. And so I, I'm thinking about that, and I, I ask a lot of questions about people who are familiar with that in agricultural things. And today, I don't know, it's pr probably kind of hard because you get in those tractors, and uh, I, I know that it takes a lot of skill, and you have to be there, but you can push some buttons. And, you know, I was in a um, wheat combine, and the guy said, from the very first time we did this field, we've never had to do anything but get up and make sure everything's going right because it memorized the field. It knows where to plant, where not to plant, where to fertilize, where not, and on it goes. It just kind of runs itself all over the whole field. But once upon a day, there was a plow, and there was somebody that had their hands on it. And that's the context in which he's speaking. And so even if you think about a tractor without all that fancy equipment on it, if you look back, what happens? We got any farmers with us? I know we do. Yeah. Terry's got it right. This is what happens. Yeah. So what is Jesus saying here? You want to plow a field, you got to keep your eyes focused ahead of you. Because if you don't, and you keep doing this, what's the word, kitty wumpus? I don't know. Nothing straight. It's kind of crazy. That's exactly what Jesus is speaking about. And he says, fit for the service of the kingdom of God. There's some powerful words there. He's speaking powerful truth. Again, didn't say that it was easy. Not at all. But I would submit to you that it's what brings real spiritual change. Jesus is just being honest about the effort and the energy and the commitment it takes to follow him. And here's the truism. I want you to think really hard about this. A truism is that... Um, even though Jesus shares these truths and he speaks into it throughout the whole New Testament, there's a lot of times we, as individual followers and as the body of Christ, don't want to pay the price. We want to hold on to what's comfortable, what's convenient. We want to hold on to things that we love in our life that we shouldn't. We're unwilling to make tough choices and calls. And sometimes we refuse to put him first. And we're not willing to expend the energy and the commitment that it takes. And Jesus says, come follow me. And here's what it means. 
a lot of people unwilling to pay the price in a lot of churches and have explained why now it's up to um, nine of every church is in decline. A lot of churches have closed. You're familiar with that. You're aware of churches. Maybe been a part of it. I think often about the disciples. When Jesus said, come follow me. And what do we read that they do? Immediately they left their nets and went and followed Jesus. Think about how hard that had to have been. And I'm like, wow, you got some heart. It wasn't easy. All the things Jesus is talking about were their experience. But then I want to submit this to you. See, that brought real change for them, right? Changed their livelihood, changed their interaction with their family. They went to places, um, days they didn't know what was going to happen, lots of unknowns. They picked up their feet and they went where Jesus went. You think about how scary and how difficult and all of the things that were that meant. And yet, think about this. Do you think they regretted it? Not for a minute. They saw the most incredible things that people have ever seen on the face of the earth. They saw the sick and the lame healed with a word. They saw thousands and thousands fed from a couple loaves of bread. And more importantly, they saw people who were steeped in sin set free. Their lives changed forever because of the grace and the love of God. See, one of the problems that we have when we think about the cost of change is we don't consider the real cost of not. So I'd get back to um, outhouses. Anybody still got one that they use every day? Did it cost you to have indoor plumbing? Did you need to make some changes, you or your family? What about your car or your truck? What about your computer or this thing? I have like a dinosaur because, yes, I'm unwilling to pay the price for a new phone. So I'll get a little vulnerable and a little emotional. I would submit to you in some ways, well, at least for me, that's what this last six months has been about. About following Jesus. Kingdom work. Do you remember, I'm asking you to really dig deep, I don't expect an answer here. Do you remember the very first time that I had the privilege of coming up here and standing what I, what I chose as truth? I know Dean will. As soon as I hold this up, you know, I, I came and, and I, um, just because the Lord led me, and, and preached about the truth of John 21, verses 15 to 19. Are you familiar with the story there? I'll refresh your memory. Don't worry about having a quick. 
it's when Jesus is resurrected and he goes back to the disciples who are out fishing. The conversation before that is they're sitting around. I mean, Jesus was resurrected, came back, but he was gone. He wasn't with them every minute. And so they're sitting around and they're having a conversation and they're saying, what should we do? You know, we're just here. And so Peter pipes up and says, let's go fishing. And so they do. And why? Because it's what they did. It's what they were familiar with. It was what was comfortable. It, it, was, it was what they, just part of their being, right? And so they go out and they go fishing. And Jesus comes and he's on the shore and they don't recognize him, right? And he calls out to them and he asks them a, a question. And he says, hey, have you caught anything? And they say, no. And then he says... Um, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And that kind of like makes him think a little. Deja vu, right? Because he did that to him before early on when he first called them. So here they are back fishing again. And he says the same thing. And I'm sure that the memory's getting jogged, especially when then that net is bursting and teeming with fish. And they can't hardly even pull it in. John recognizes immediately, it's Jesus. Peter jumps in the water and swims to shore nice guy, leads all of his friends to haul in the fish. But he's so filled with enthusiasm and with joy, he can't help himself. And the passage that I referred to picks up after that. They're on the shore. And here's the deal. They, they did not um, miss what it is that had just happened. Because Jesus had called them to do What? What did he say? What's the song? Fishers of men. And what were they doing? They were fishing for fish. And when they got back on shore, they couldn't even look them in the eye. They couldn't even say anything to them. They were too embarrassed. They didn't dare to do it. Because they realized that Jesus had spoken to them, gave them a call, gave them a purpose in their lives, and spent three years pouring himself into them, and what were they doing? They had forgotten. They were out fishing again. And so he has a, a, a conversation with Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes. And then he says this. Do you love me more than these? This is what he was pointing to. You ask him two more times, and each time, Peter gets a little more agitated. And he says, you know I love you the third time. And Jesus speaks about the cost. He says, and you need to know that following me is going to take you to places you don't want to go. Following me means you're not going to be able to necessarily have the clothes you want to wear. You dress yourself, feed yourself, all of those things. You're going to have to recognize that if you're going to follow me. Friends, I have a question for you. What is your these? And what today, as you sit here as a follower of Jesus is preventing you from following Him.
and seeing great spiritual change in your heart and in your life and the fulfillment of his purposes for you as surely as you are. You know, Dan Ackerman at a November um, consistory meeting asked all of the consistory members that were there about purpose. And he asked them if they were um, in on it, that they, that they believed in it. Everyone said yes. I would have expected nothing different. Just like now, if I were to step back and ask all of you who are a parts of, of the body of Christ here, who are partners in the gospel, do you believe that our purpose is winning people for Christ and equipping them to serve? I would expect every hand to go up. And I would hope that that would be the same when Jesus says, come, follow me. You know what it means. You know the price. I'm asking you again, are you willing to follow me or not? Great truth. Hard truth, but great truth. The challenge he gives to each and every one of us about kingdom growth, about what lies ahead. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for your truth. I thank you so much for the change that you've wrought in the hearts of everybody here. I hope that they, when they think about uh, living without you, they can't even wrap their brain around it. And Lord, if there is anybody here that hasn't, that hasn't experienced your grace, that hasn't said, I, I died for you and I, I want to be your God. I want to love you. I want to show you what it's like to be forgiven and redeemed. Come follow me. That the Lord today would be the day. As the Lord, there's nothing like it. And the real cost of not following you is oh, so much greater than the things that we choose to hold on to. Lord, I think about the people and I think about the children and I think about the lives. I think about their hearts changed forever, kingdom things eternally, about the praises, about the celebrations in heaven every time one comes to know you, every time a person is one for you. And the way in which you celebrate when people are equipped, when they grow, when they understand, when they're transformed and give their lives to you in service and in ministry, it is incredible. And the impact goes beyond anything that we could ever imagine in the moment. You are a good and great God. So I praise you for being our good, great God, for challenging us and bringing truth about what it means to follow you, to be changed and transformed from the inside out. Might it be in a wonderful, awesome, beautiful,